0: Listening to the OKS Fisher Podcast, part of the OKS Podcast Network. Featuring
1: your hosts, Matt Dry Greg Todds.
2: Hey there, welcome back to the OKS Fisher Podcast. Coming at you from the OKS Fisher Podcast Studios. Plural, because we're not hanging out in the same building. How's it going, Matt?
1: It's going pretty good. How
2: about yourself? Oh, can't complain. Uh, fall is in the air, leaves are flying around, just got off a little bit of a warm front. We had some unseasonably warm weather, especially if you wanted to go fishing, man. It, it, we we're back up into the 90s again, and now here we are back uh, back down 70s, lows in the 50s, maybe mid-40s at night,
1: uh, big swings. Definitely starting to feel like fall um, more than last week.
2: Certainly. And I'm glad for it because it's, it's fall time. It's fall time. It's time to go hunt, go uh, you know, go get your last bit of open water fishing in. It's big fish time, really, because those fish and, are packing on the feed bag.
1: Yep, it's big fish time, and it's uh, good fishing time because, like you said, they are putting the feed bags on, they're a little more predictable, and they're a lot hungrier than the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, I mean, just to hit on a couple of bites, we've got the, the – uh, inshore if you want to call it inshore salmon bite on the, on the big lake right we have them in the, the king salmon uh browns they're in the harbors they're working their way up the rivers uh, i think a few weeks ago guys were already reporting, they were finding dead ones so that skein bite's heating up um guys are still trolling around catching some fish outside the harbors at the pier heads so get out there and chase that bite get your big Big king salmon, you know, they're going to have a pretty good suntan to them. The meat might not be all the best for eating, might be a good enough for, for smoking, or uh, you just throw it back and let it do its thing.
1: But it's a heck of a, heck of a catch if you hook into one, though.
2: Yeah, you know, if you're doing, doing float fishing, if you're float fishing for them with skein, um, that's a heck of a fight because most of the time you almost got to finesse fish them with, like, 10-pound fluorocarbon leader, 15-pound braid, 12-pound braid, you know, scaled down tackle, long rod with a lot of backbone to it, that's a fun fun fight, and you're usually chasing those fish up and down shoreline, or if you're in a boat, you're,
1: you're not anchoring. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's basically set the hook and hang on. Hopefully yep. your drag's set yep. right.
2: Yep, hopefully your drag's set right, and you're chasing them down with a trolling motor. <laughs>
1: But that's not what we're here to talk about today. No, no.
2: We are talking about the infamous Esox Masquinanji the muskie. We had two phenomenal guests on that we recorded with. This is going to be a two-parter. We have darn near two hours worth of talking back and forth between our good friends Brian and Mike.
1: Yep. And uh, we're recording our intros separately because the episodes ran that long and that good. So we're a little, uh, a couple days past when we recorded, but we're going to get this all set up and it'll be out to, or when you guys hear this, it'll all be put together perfectly.
2: Yes. So hang on to your hats. We're going to go into episode one. So part one of a two part conversation with Mike Malashevsky and Brian Myrick. Both are great muskie fishermen in our area. Uh, so take a listen to this. We're going to call this one uh, Fall Musky School.
1: And that's what it is. You guys will learn a whole bunch, and you will be able to put yourself on more fish this fall if you're chasing musky.
2: Yeah, literally we're talking about, like, the tail end of summer fishing. These guys are just out during this heat um, and fighting those elements and, and fighting with some pretty... Pretty, I would say tough, tough conditions. Yeah, tough conditions and fish with lockjaw just yep. about. So hang on to your hats, get a listen to this one, and uh, we'll talk to you about it later. So we've got two guys well known to us two in the musky world. Matt, who do we have?
1: We got Mike Maliszewski, and we got Brian Myrick. And if they're okay with it, we're going to talk fall musky fishing. That sounds like a great. I'm okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Brian, you just got off the water, and the weather's kind of changing. What'd you What'd you see tonight?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're definitely in this little mini cool down period from that unseasonable warm up we had. Um, I think it's put the fish right, you know, right where you expect them in that you know late summer early fall cool down. Maybe we're a little bit behind down here is kind of my thought. I I mean, I normally would be kind of targeting exactly how I was fishing tonight two weeks ago, you know, and then in a normal year. Um, But I mean, it's just the start of, I mean, the next three weeks should be an absolute blast because a lot of the fish have pushed up. Um, I definitely saw a couple guys still out trolling deep and when we moved one spot i just slowed down and checked out some bait and there's still some bait set up out there but the vast majority of the fish have done that migration right there's a lot of them up in the weeds on the outside edge right in the middle of them and even tonight we had some action up on the inside edge as well so they're doing what they're supposed to do and i mean it was just your standard stuff right bucktails swim baits top water um you know interestingly no action on suix out of my boat this week down here which normally you can you know at least get some follows or you know something on that but for my boat this week it's just been all straight retrieve which can't complain about it's uh it's a pretty it's usually a higher hooking percentage anyway so yeah. tonight not so much tonight they were nipping and I was actually changing out hooks, going to smaller rear hooks. Just, I find that, you know, you can downsize two hook sizes or so when they're just nipping the tail and then have a better shot. But, um, they were still nipping. I lost a, I lost a tail of a swimming dog tonight and stuff. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I wish I could fish tomorrow because tomorrow should be really good before that little warm up comes in and, these warm-ups, yeah, there's definitely still ways to catch them during it, but they really do go a little they go pretty neutral um this time of year on a warm-up. And that's not to say it's not worth going because plenty of big fish get caught during those time frames. It's just you're gonna deal with even more of that nipping. You're gonna deal with more of the, you know, are they actually trying to eat this boat side or what in the world is this fish trying to do? Like I had a fish up north last week that I mean, it was doing everything in the book except eating it, and we had two of them that you know I dead stick the suic on last week, and um, when it got warm on that on Saturday or no Friday afternoon when it got real warm, just dead stick the suic out from the boat. Two different fish were completely vertical coming up on it, and just would not just still wouldn't even finish that move right. And that move normally you can get you know fifty percent of them to go. I had two of them do it and. Neither of them would go. So these little bits of warm ups, they do put a little bit of a trickiness to it. But um, you just gotta grind through them because, like I say, those big ones still will go. And it, it is almost like lower numbers and higher—not a higher chance, but still a good chance at a big one this time of year during a warm up. Um, but the next cold front, like next week, I saw in the forecast when that thing comes in, that's your. That's your go-catch-three-in-an-evening type of a window and, and stuff like that starting to come on pretty soon. I actually thought tonight would do it, but <laughs> they were just nipping.
1: Just just for reference, what was your water temp tonight? 69. Mm, 69.
3: So it's dropped quite a bit in the past two weeks after that big warm-up. Oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Sunday when I got home, it was like 73. So I mean it really dropped this week. I mean, I've been out early mornings a bit running my dogs as well as hitting the water and um yeah, it's been brisk at sunrise. <laughs> it's <laughs> been some nice nice cool downs and I know we got a little rain coming up too during this warm up and that'll help hold the fish as well. So um yeah, this is the this is my favorite window right here. I mean, not my favorite because I have, you know, twenty things I want to be doing in the same day, but um yeah, there were two bucks in my front yard as I was parking my boat tonight and I was like, geez Louise.
2: I waited um, for you to say bucks before I opened my mouth and said, Yeah, it kind of feels like deer hunting weather.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I got played hey, this, this
0: weekend. This is the classic uh tug of war between Greg and Matt. Matt will start dropping the Esox word, and Greg will start pulling him out of it. <laughs>
2: well, I'm going to let Matt do what Matt wants to do. I'm you gonna, do you, Matt. You, you do, do you, too, boo. Matt. Uh, I'm oh, gonna thanks, go, guys. Uh, I'm going to go shoot some does uh, unless, I, unless I find something on my scouting mission uh, at some point tomorrow afternoon when I get out. That says I should hunt for a buck. If I don't find what I'm looking for, then I'm going to go shoot some does on a piece of private.
3: Yeah, I got plenty of that to do. Yeah,
2: I do too. Um, More than I have tags for currently. So I'll I'll be. (laughs) I'm just going
0: to let you guys do that, and then uh, (laughs) reap the benefits of some free venison from somebody. And in the meantime, I'll just keep musky fishing. Fair enough. But uh, uh, I will. Uh, what Brian was saying basically, everything that Brian touched upon in his initial statements there were exactly the same things that I was going to mention, um, with the exception of the fact that I actually would only move fish on dive and rise baits uh, in the last several days. Um, sure. On Well, I fished up in, up in the Northwoods until. Um, Tuesday, and Tuesday, that's when we actually got the weather that we had initially planned on for the Northwoods. Right. And I had fished with our uh, buddy Justin Johnson, and he was throwing rubber and bucktails and everything under the sun. And I moved seven fish all on diving rise. They would only eat and follow a diving rise on Tuesday. And I ended up catching two fish both on a wade's wobbler on Tuesday. Now, prior to that, I was on struggle bus. I saw a ton of fish um, up in the Northwoods from Friday until Tuesday. And we had moved a lot of fish on everything. There was no pattern. It was nothing predictable. Uh, We had tried everything under the sun and within our group of guys, we had caught fish trolling, and burning bucktails and dive and rise and we had topwater follows uh, and we had a couple of suckers out and fish were chasing suckers Um, only one fish actually committed on a sucker though but it was the classic there is no pattern pattern Um, the fish were either there or they weren't and the fish that showed themselves weren't eating I will tell you that the fish that were caught were fish that did not show themselves. It got so frustrating, it got to a point where it was like, please, for the love of God, don't let me see you anymore. Because the more I see you, the more I know you're not going to eat. I'd rather just hope for a reaction strike out on the cast as opposed to a fish following up both sides and turning off. Because when that happens time and time and time again, it gets really, really easy to get discouraged and maybe put the kibosh on it with the understanding that the fish just aren't going to turn on with the weather conditions with the highest skies and uh, unseasonably warm weather we had over the last few days. It really wasn't conducive to fish following and eating boatside. I would say maybe if you were fishing uh, some darker, dirtier, tannic water, but uh, a lot of the water that we're fishing is dark water, but it is also very clear water. So those fish could see us just as well as we could see them. And they would follow both sides and they would just lazy follow. We only had a couple of hot follows over those few days and um, they would not commit. So I don't know if that uh, correlates with what you were saying, Brian, but that was kind of my experience over the last few days, at least in the Northwoods. Now I haven't been fishing down here. Uh, I will be this weekend, but um, yeah, out there they were just, they were hot to trot, but just wouldn't commit. And it was all reaction strike fish. So yeah it was it was a tough fight but at least we caught a few fish we had a good time and you know it will turn on here pretty quickly um everything's going to stabilize i mean if we had gone maybe a week or two later uh i think things would have been a bit better and i think things are going to turn on down in the southern region here pretty pretty quickly also that would be yeah. my
3: guesstimate it's been an interesting year in wisconsin and that the the southern part and the northern part we actually have been very similar to each other all year on the on like the seasonal shifts right so like the spring to early summer migration it was like happening at the same time because we had that goofy warm-up right after memorial day weekend and you know Mm -hmm. that lasted a while and it really put our lakes in very similar situations where you know boy if you would if you'd look at our weather you would think that you know we would have had to take big breaks for too hot a water this year and the reality is the southern part had very little of it and the northern part had about the same amount of time the only difference is up north you know you can go find some lakes that haven't fully gotten to that level just due to the vast number of them and how some of them stay cooler for various reasons and um so I never really ran into that. Now there were definitely some water release periods, you know, where, you know, it's hitting 78 and that's normally, I usually put the net away about 77, but, um, it's, and I, it's know. A, it's I don't use bump a fish fairly at all anymore.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> I would say with, when it comes to hot water temperature, just use your best judgment. Honestly, it's all dependent on the body of water you're fishing, the healthiness of the water. Now, some of the water that I fish around my area here around Dodge County, Greenland County, Columbia County, um, you guys would know if you ever fished around here that it is, uh, this is farm country, and we get a lot of agricultural runoff, and that agricultural runoff produces a lot of algae blooms yep. and turns the water to pea soup, and that water gets really, really hot, and a lot of these bodies of water around here are really shallow, so we're talking water temps that are hot from top to bottom. Now, if you go a little bit further east into, you know, Waukesha County where some of those lakes there are obviously a lot deeper, a lot healthier, um, maybe the water temperature isn't quite as affected by that. might be more yep. surface temperatures, but you go a few feet down and that water's nice and cool five feet down. Now, like I said, it's a, it's, it's a matter of judgment. Use your best judgment. You know, knowledge is power and uh just be conscious of what you're doing where you're fishing and if you're gonna do if you're gonna fish hot water water you know water releases are cool take a picture in the net you know hold it in the water get a cool picture whatever you want to do um but i'm not here to, to preach to anybody how to do anything but i do have opinions so <laughs> the good news is the good news is we're past that time frame it's nothing yeah, to worry about anymore now yeah yeah, mm. yeah. I just know around here I didn't fish for, for a little while because of that. But um,
3: Oh, I was up north then. I know that window you're talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, you didn't have that problem up like, there. <laughs> I
0: just put in as much overtime at work as I possibly could to uh, get as much additional comp time that I could use as vacation now. <laughs> so, uh-huh.
2: Nice.
0: It's like now. Now I can actually uh, focus on being on the water and enjoying it again and, and feeling comfortable and happy doing it. So, you know, it is what it is. We're moving on. We're moving into the best time of the year. This is a podcast about fall, so I'll put the summer talk behind me now and uh, <laughs> focus focus on the future here. Um, it's just it's just odd because it didn't feel like fall in the Northwoods just a couple of days ago, so. It it was fall for, for a minute there and then it wasn't and then it was. And um we'll get there. We'll get there. The fishing's gonna get really good here really soon. And um I saw a couple fish that I moved up in the northwoods that uh that were knee shakers and um haven't seen a couple of those in a while where I really had a holy cow moment and uh actually Got a bit nervous seeing a fish come in. So <laughs> that's, that's always a good feeling when you see a rail tie coming in and that, uh, that belly is exceeding the, the back of the fish. And you can see that shovel head coming in. And uh, that's when you know it's a, it's a big one. And I've seen a couple of those this weekend, and I got them pinpoint, pinpointed. And I think I know where they're going to be uh, moving forward here. And uh, I'll be back to them when the time is right, when they're ready to go. Um, they were hot, and then they weren't, and then they were hot, and then they weren't. <laughs> and that's just musky fishing. So.
1: so so, back on that, Mike, that's actually a good point. What do these fish do? We know what they do summer. What do they do in fall? And could that have been their transitioning in different stages, why you guys had no pattern whatsoever? Because somewhere where they're supposed to be, some were still in summer patterns, some were transitioning. you guys want to dive into that a little bit? kind of where they go in the fall?
0: Well, I always use the analogy that the fish are equally as confused as the people are when the weather isn't the way that we would expect it to be. Um, I don't know what Brian would, would would say to that, but I feel like sometimes when you go from extreme highs in temperature to extreme lows and then you have cold fronts and, yeah a lack of uh a lack of rainfall that we had for quite a while, and then we had good rainfall and I think it just really threw the fish out of whack and uh when the fish are just as confused as we are, they will eat they have to eat you know everybody has to eat, but I think sometimes they just uh, they just don't produce a pattern and uh you just have to have to work with what you got um I will say going into fall here. Um, As we start getting into more stabilized water temperatures into, I would say, in the next week or two even, um, typically October, uh, things start to kind of stabilize. We'll get water temperatures in the mid-50s into the low 60s in the next couple of weeks here. We had water temperatures up north that were uh, 64 to 68, 69 was Kind of out there. We yeah, Saturday afternoon. Did
3: you find sixty nine? Yeah, yeah. I think Florida. I might even hit. I might even hit seventy. To be honest. Yeah, <laughs> we could have, too. Now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah. I think Mike. Mike's point about um, the weather is is right. You know, we're talking about fall and transition and all the weather and. Yeah, this year definitely stability was was not a thing with weather. You know, we had we had a roller coaster of a year all year, and um, I, my experience is during these roller coaster events, right? The fish kind of scatter, and especially when you when you have a roller coaster of temps going on during a transition period. So, like the one we have right now. <clears throat> this summer to late summer early fall there's kind of two different transition windows there and if you bounce lake to lake you can be on two different ones you know depending on how those water temps are moving this year you know we just never got it we didn't get that cool down long enough before it would spike right back up and as a result you didn't have the massive migration of fish so you know, the Mike's point earlier about what a lot of people are experiencing where, yeah, you got guys trolling out at the main lake break. You got guys fishing an outside weed edge and you got guys all the way on an inside edge. They're all coming off the water with very similar stories, right? Yeah. We moved six, you know, we moved four, um, one, one nipped or, or whatever. And, um, as opposed to, you know, every boat hitting the same outside weed edge or whatever when when you do have a you know more of a nice stable gradual cool down, right? Where it's working its way down real nice, all the fish are packed <laughs> in there and it's just money. Well, we didn't get that yet. You can you can go from zero you
0: can go from zero to hero real quick in patterns like this. You know, you can yeah. You might be the one guy that catches a giant when everybody else sees, sees a bunch of fish, and that's just what it comes down to. And like I said, you could go from zero to hero or hero to zero real quick. And uh this past weekend, I went from hero to zero. And then as the weather stabilized, we caught a couple of fish. So it's extremely unpredictable um these last several days. But as we're moving forward here, things and I say this in quotations should become more predictable. Yep. Um, And that's just based off of my years of experience and things I've experienced.
3: I think the, I think the next cool down down in Southern Wisconsin is going to push the rest of them up and then they're all going to be up, you know, for the most part, and they'll all be up there, you know, right up until turnover. And, And the reality is, all right, I'll give this a little nugget. So when turnover hits and everyone leaves the lake, and they like, oh, there's no, they don't bite. There's no fishing. Blah 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 blah. Pretend it's the beginning of bass season because you need that. You need your bait bouncing offshore almost because that's mm-hmm. where they are. Because the really shallow water isn't really experiencing what the deeper water is. So just push in really, really tight in the craziest spots where you wouldn't think this will work. I mean, I caught a muskie without making a cast off my parents' dock one one during turnover. And I just went out, flipped the bait in the water to make sure the blades were spinning. I'm standing on the dock with my three-year-old at the time. And yeah, a fish shoots out from under the dock and starts chasing it, and I caught it. It was an upper 40s fish. It wasn't a little dink or anything. And, um, you know, I, that's why I carried the musky rod down there because I've known for a long time that go shallow and trust me, those fish are eating up there because the bait's all messed up during turnover too. So if they get an opportunity, they're going to (laughs) go.
0: So I'm going to say this, um, and this is kind of where I go maybe a little bit against the grain is during turnover. I'm going to go back into the tributaries and fish the small rivers. Yep. And uh, I have a lot of luck fishing the small rivers in super shallow water during turnover period, uh-huh. and uh, that's something that probably gets overlooked by a lot of people. So that's my little uh, my little nugget, as as Brian would say. I'll give you that one. <laughs> so
1: you know, you know what's crazy? Like Brian, you brought that up. I, I didn't put two and two together. We were fishing up by my parents' place, northern Wisconsin, this past season or last season. Right after turnover, we have a river that comes through that lake. Um, it's dammed up. So we were fishing tight on shore. We had landed four or five fish that day already. We were getting down to sun up. My buddy just lost one. I, he, As he lost one, I whipped the cast out. My sewage, my 10-inch suic bounces on shore, and I'm like, oh, shit, we're not going in to get it. The bite's way too good. So I did one little pop, hopped it over the rock ledge. It hit the water. I saw a swirl. I did one twitch. And I caught a 39 and a half. That thing, I'm surprised I didn't see him. His back should have been out of the water. That's Mm -hmm. how tight on shore he was. And it was just, it was insane. I I never put two and two together until you just said that. But I have definitely experienced that in turnover.
3: Yeah. And once turnover is over, right, you see a lot of guys go fish deep. And there's a reason for that, right? Those fish are sitting out there. They're, they're they're sitting out at the main lake break usually. Now, are all of them out there? Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and those fish that are sitting out there, they move back up to feed because if you pay attention to your electronics, there's still a ton of bait sitting by those last green weeds all throughout the fall. So one, one key thing I do post-turnover, like if I'm tagged out or whatever and I'm out there a lot, <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll be... I'll actually sit, you know. There's certain spots on every lake where the fish are going to move from that, you know, main lake break up to whatever structure it is, whether that's a rock ledge or um, weeds or whatever. And one of the areas I kind of target is that I, you know, call it a migration route. A lot of guys call it that. And that's within the day, you know, I mean, they move around throughout the day doing that. But not on the main lake break not tight to the weeds but in that you know you'll find these specific spots where they move up there it's not like not like you go around a whole basin and they're just you know they're doing this in random spots there's certain spots now granted on our pressured waters your best way to find a couple of those spots is probably to go out on a Saturday afternoon and check out where all the boats are anchored and casting suckers out. Cause a lot of guys will sit and do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's plenty of spots where they're not doing that. <laughs> you can, you can stay on them there, but that's, that's, that's later in the fall, but for these next you know, three, four weeks until we get to that point, um, I, I target really shallow stuff. Um, you know, the next number of cool nights where we really get some cool nights, there'll be a frog migration going on. Um, Mm -hmm. and that is, and you know, in Minnesota, that is like one of their favorite bites ever. And I mean, I just don't see many guys doing it around here in the Southern part of the state and even Northern Wisconsin, you don't even see guys thinking about it. And I've cashed a bunch of checks strictly doing that in late September in the middle of October.
0: I will say, and I will 100% agree with you there, Brian. I will say that um, come late September, early October, I almost revert back to spring tactics and start fishing super shallow. And that's, act as if that uh, that frog migration is comparable to the tadpole hatch in the springtime, yep. and you revert back to spring tactics way late in the year, and I don't think very many people do that. I think most people will go out to the main, main lake basins and they'll start fishing the weed edges that are starting to die back, or they'll yep. start moving into the, the deeper drop off edges where they think the fish are migrating downwards instead of upwards. And oh. <clears throat> I think a lot of people have that wrong. Now that's, it's not wrong. And I shouldn't say that it's wrong. I, I will say that there is success to be had that way, yep. but there's also another way to look at this. And I would agree with you hundred percent. I revert back to the spring tactics late in the season. I've caught fish in December in two feet of water. So yep. Um everything that we we think we know isn't always necessarily right. <laughs> you know, it's
3: there's well, a lot yeah. more to it. There's a there's a, a, a quote a buddy of mine started using this year. Well, no, he's used it for years, but it's every year I know less. And and there's a lot of truth to that because you know, you, you get these patterns going. And you get these things going on and then you have that exact weather pattern exact time of year i mean everything's lined up and you go out and you you get blanked you don't even see a fish and 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 you know you think you have that figured out and it's just like okay and then you bop down to the next lake down the road and they're snapping and it's just (laughs) wait wait why right like you know you get thrown those curb like you know, it works it works how you plan it plenty of times but um but then there are those ones too like I kind of I'll be honest like that the whole frog migration stuff that I really started targeting on in Waukesha County was just because of one stupid fish that porpoised. and I was like what and I went up there and we doubled like literally my buddy and I hooked up at the same time and I'm like okay so there's a couple up here and then Drove around that night in that same area with my spotlight, and the number of muskies I saw under the light was just insane. And so then I started like putting two and two together, and boom, went over to one of our other local lakes and did the same thing. And I'm like, I'm over half a mile away from the nearest muskie fisherman right now. And (laughs) the next day, I realized that we had we had put three fish in the net by eight a.m., and I was just like okay well let's not fish here on the weekend anymore and so we left we just left that spot and i didn't want anyone to see that net go flying but i would uh i would say though that
0: stop and think about this for a second it, it makes sense because it's the last possible chance for a muskie to eat an easy meal up in shallow water yep i mean it's a it's easy pickings for him and it's the time of the year where everything's starting to die back or migrations are starting to move into hibernation and the muskies are going to take advantage of those shoreline opportunities or those shallow water opportunities as much as they possibly can while they still can before they have to move back down deeper and start chasing after um, suspended bait fish. You know, like, If they're fish that are by nature typically up in shallow water, they're going to cash in on that shallow water. Now, not every muskie is a deep-water fish. There's Mm. muskies that stay in deep water, and they're there forever, their whole lives. They never come up. And then there's muskies that are shallow-water fish that only live in the shallows, and they very rarely, maybe late in the year, they move down into the deeper water as ice starts to move in, and it forces their migration. So you've got a couple of different styles of muskies out there. They don't all behave the same. There's certainly different strains of fish that behave differently. And there's certain fish that are acclimated to certain areas and they don't like to leave their house. That would be like, Hey, uh, Brian, I'm going to come over and kick you out of your house because, uh, you're going to have, your house is going to be frozen over soon and you're going to have to move in with me. Well, you're not going to like it, but that's what you're going to have to do. Uh So there's, uh, there's fish to be caught everywhere throughout the course of the year, but yes, there are patterns that are more predictable, and there's truth of those old school patterns as the year progresses, the fish start to migrate, they move deeper into the deeper cuts, the deeper drop offs. but I also would say that some fish, just like in the spring, correlate to warmer water late in the year, just like. In the springtime, I've caught fish off of rocks because the sun was beating on those rocks early in the springtime and it bumped that water temperature up about two degrees and those fish were just sunbathing in that two degree difference. And I would say the same thing can be said for fish late in the year where they might be sitting in warmer pockets of water just to get a little bit of warmer water before they have to migrate back in. It gives them a chance to reserve some energy and maybe get a good meal and then move back down into deeper water um that's just my opinion i don't have any scientific basis to back that on but that's that's just the way i see it
3: <laughs> but, and as long as the weeds are still green the fish are going to be there because the bait fish will be be by those as well so if you, if you can keep finding green weeds there, there there'll be some fish around for sure um Now, once you get real late, right, and we're talking December, you know, before freeze up and yeah, you can still find some green weeds here and there. But but by that point, um, there's no longer a pocket or bed of green weeds. It's usually just, Hey, look, there's one, you know, (laughs) and the thing that the, the Southern Wisconsin like challenge with that is how milfoil you know how that dies off in the fall and the winter. I mean, it just drops flat to the bottom and creates this just carpet down there, which turns into a really great thing that we've, or I've noticed um, probably the last like eight, maybe 10 years, but definitely way more the last two, three years is if you have those areas where you can just see a little bit of tobacco cabbage sticking through this milfoil late fall that's your spot those are some of my kia spots i find them in may and i mm-hmm. mark them up and i fish them until that milfoil fills in around that cabbage and then once that milfoil dies off those spots right there are full of fish because that cabbage then for whatever reason i've never seen it stay but the last number of years it stays green forever and it stays alive and i don't know if it's starting to eat off of the decaying milfoil around it or what but some of the tobacco cabbage beds you know out on pewaukee lake last year and they're there again this year are better than they've been in 15 years Mm -hmm. um and and i actually checked one of them out tonight um And that tobacco cabbage is sticking, you know, a foot above the milfoil and give it three, four weeks, it's going to be down, the milfoil will be down even a little more. So that's a bit of a change thing that I've been trying to keep up with and and figure out and trying to capitalize on that a little bit more because um, I do think some of our native weeds are going to do better in southern Wisconsin as time moves on. Because the bottom of that lake is literally just full of decaying, you know, it's full of food for for, for the whole bottom.
0: Um, now, Brian, I'm going to pick your brain here and get your opinion on something. Um, what is your, what is your outtake on um, river fishing this late in the year as we progress into fall and into winter even?
3: Yeah, I mean, i I mean the rivers this is actually probably the best window coming up right now, in my opinion on the rivers. If you've got if you as we do, right? We have dams <laughs> everywhere and muskies tend to go upstream in the fall just like they do in the spring. So obviously you got your dam fish that are, are are always gonna be there, but boy, I have caught a number of fish on the rivers in you know in that same idea of where you've got those weeds sitting um, you know definitely obviously you've got your deeper holes in your pockets I think those become just loaded with fish as the fall progresses the later into the fall we get before that ice up in that December time frame I personally have found those holes to be you know just the place to be but before that from now until then boy you can catch fish on a top water and some pretty skinny water and rivers and the type of skinny water where the second that fish starts moving at your bait and it could be 30 mm-hmm. 40 feet from your bait um mm-hmm. you see them moving and um i've caught plenty real shallow actually my son my 13 year old son he's on a little mission to get his first uh river muskie on his own and and he was telling me recently about a Experience he had in some shallow water, and I was like, "Oh, the early falls hit the river already, there, buddy." <laughs> so... Hey, I gotta,
1: yeah. I gotta, ju- I gotta jump back real quick because I know I'm gonna forget about it. When you guys are talking spring tactics, I, I know what you mean. Are you talking bait size too?
3: Are you guys downsizing those baits? Or are you? Actually, that, was one, that was one thing I was gonna add on to that. I'm glad you brought that up because I meant to. to say that when Mike was talking about that. Yeah. There's definitely times I'm throwing in the fall. I have no problem throwing a four inch or six inch bait, but um, the big difference is there's another rod rigged up right next to that one. That's probably got an eight or a 10 inch bait on it. Um, I definitely have seen as far as Southern Wisconsin goes, and this was kind of the difference I had um, this year between northern and southern wisconsin in northern wisconsin up until i think even still right now you really weren't having to throw a big bucktail at all um it was pretty small stuff all year up there uh, um whereas down here going back to the first week of june double tens were catching fish double tens are catching fish right now um you can have guy throwing double eights I'm not saying he's not going to have action um but down here right now and yeah here's a nice tidbit for anyone local listening bigger blades is definitely better than smaller right now whereas in northern Wisconsin I mean more fish were caught on single small blades all season long than the big blades from the vast majority of people I talked to that doesn't mean there weren't a few windows up there where I caught fish on nine tens and and some double nines, but, um, but down in the Southern part, vastly different where you could throw your single, you know, 700 fluted Indiana blade. That's just been crushing them up North. You do that down here. You weren't going to have much. It was, you know, maybe a dink or something, but, um, but yeah, in the fall, I definitely, I definitely will upsize my stuff a little bit, but that doesn't mean that's all I'm going to do i've caught many fish on you know some five inch slammers like that five inch slammer you know round minnow bait that one can be a great little fall twitching bait um yeah i i do not always skip out on uh on on just going big right like the old adage was fall you go big you go slower blah 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 and that's not really the case I, i i you still gotta. You still gotta keep them honest, right? I mean, I that's so that's how you that... make that big jump from zero to one, right? Mike talked about it earlier: zero to hero. Well, <laughs> there's no bigger spot than musky fishing, where zero to one is such a wide margin. It's it's right. a huge huge space right there.
0: <laughs> I would say that uh, your your bait size is. To put it into a realistic expectation for the body of water that you're fishing, okay. you have to look at the forage base of the body of water that you fish. Now, if we're talking Wisconsin compared to Minnesota, Minnesota is going to use a lot bigger baits than Wisconsin is. That's just the way it's always historically been. But in Wisconsin, if you're fishing a body of water that has a, a large Cisco forage and uh, it's a large enough body of water where the fish are going to be more likely to feed on larger baits then it makes more sense to throw bigger baits but if you're throwing a huge bait in a body of water that the muskies are primarily foraging on six inch perch it's not really going to make much sense to throw anything that much bigger now, that's my opinion but that's my personal experience um, now of course you can catch fish on on mag dogs and pounders and throw at big baits in the fall and and catch fish but I think I've caught just as many fish on six-inch phantoms or, uh, you know, a nine-inch dive and rise or uh, any glide bait or jerk bait that's six to ten inches is pretty, it's pretty standard for all times of the year. Um, but I don't really go that big in the fall. I'll go up to like 10 or 12-inch dive and rise baits. Um, but I don't really throw anything much more than a mag dog in the in Wisconsin period. I mean, no, that doesn't mean they won't eat pounders. But I'm just kind of happy to be honest with you. I don't have to throw a pounder to catch a fish. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Saves got- the shoulder blades a little bit.
3: <laughs> yeah, I have too. Much, I have too much gray in my beard to be doing that for extended periods of time. <laughs> <laughs>
2: sounds like you're trying to tie on a bowling pin and cast that around, and it doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun.
0: No, it, it gets pretty pretty taxing pretty quickly. Uh, but, but I will say if one shows itself and you're throwing that pounder, you'll throw that pounder for the next 10 hours just, just because you saw a big fish move on it, and then that gives you that whole new set of hope. And then they'll just keep piss pounding the same water, throwing the same big bait, and hoping <laughs> that the fish comes back. So you're <laughs> saying there's uh, a chance? They'll like to show themselves <laughs> when you're about to call it quits, and then you're out there for another
3: six, seven hours. Yeah, they sure, they sure do know when you're about to change a bait, it seems. If you're about to well, change a bait, one will decide to show itself, and then you'll be going, wait a minute, what am I about to do? So I our, like our times uh, I had that once tonight and three times last week. So literally on the cast, I, I was talking about it tonight. <laughs> I'm gonna switch over to a topwater, and then one comes and starts chasing both sides and on a MAG swimming dog, and I'm like, Oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> and there's another push- example, right? Like we're entering that time frame, you know, a lot of guys traditionally wouldn't throw a real big bait like a mag swimming dog, right? On Pewaukee Lake, normally guys were sticking in five, six inch. But Mike's point earlier is something I was thinking about. You got to match what's in your body of water. Well, yeah, Pewaukee Lake used to be great with tiny little baits because there was a ton of tiny panfish around. Well, now there's less stunted panfish around. There's still a ton of stunted perch. But as far as the gills and the crappies and all that and the walleyes for that matter it's much bigger so you know in the spring we were catching fish on eight inch baits the last couple of years i mean you never threw anything over six inches previous you know 10 years ago um so yeah that's that's still the case and that's the thing with the fall and why we go to the bigger baits you know sometimes you go to that well frankly there's just more bigger fish in the water in the fall (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <in
2: the spring. laughs> well thanks for tuning into that one uh a lot of good information there wouldn't you say
1: yeah i'd say and uh next week's episode is going to be just as informative
2: yeah we're going to call that one uh, the fall tinkering and tune-up episode just uh we really dive into some good stuff there
1: yep tweaking and tuning baits and making them do what you want them to do
2: you bet so stay tuned Uh, For the next one, next week, thanks for listening.